0: About the last couple of years in the the end of August, um, after everybody kind of moves back to college or kind of goes goes away if you're going away, we kind of like to start the the fall season with a little encouragement on why are we here. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do as we get ready for this fall, and it's just us now. All the college kids are gone so we are it is this is cornerstone and so we are going to start a new year very excited what god has planned for us but we're going to look at that question what are you doing here if i had a question this week that's my question for you what are you doing here you know the scramble before church is always entertaining um my wife is like a single mom because I'm always here early, and so she's always gotten the kids ready for church by herself. And I always appreciate single moms and single dads who get all their kids here to church. It's very impressive because usually on Sunday mornings, um, it's not always peaceful, is it? So I've heard. You know, there's a little bit of scramble. You're, trying to, you're running late. You know you should get there. And you get here, and you're like, why am I here and getting ready for church? And there's an old story of a mother went to wake up her son for church one Sunday, and when she knocked on the door, he said, I'm not going. She said, why not? He said, I'll give you two reasons. One, they don't like me, and two, I don't like them. And his mother said, well, I'll give you two good reasons why you will get up and why you will go to church. One, you're 47 years old, and the other, you're the pastor, so you need to go. That's our question. Why are we here? What are we around for? But before we answer that question, what are we doing here? I do want to talk about how did we get here, even in the big picture. How did we get here? Where did the church come from? And Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the book of Acts in the Bible, talks about how Peter, Jesus had been raised from the dead, went up to heaven, left the disciples here. Peter preaches, 3,000 people get saved at Pentecost, and then they scattered back to their hometowns. So when a church began, there was a big, massive group of 3,000 people, but then many of them went back to their hometowns, and so there wasn't a big, mega church. It was lots of little churches and little people all over the world, and that's how we as a church here, Cornerstone even, began. It's like a tree, I think, the church. The church has been around of oh, Jesus Christ has been around for thousands of years. The soil of the church is the gospel. What Jesus Christ did for us is the soil, but the roots, I think, are the word of God, the apostles and the prophets, and the great commission. That's what has grown up thousands of years now. Until these Many, many branches all over the place. And people are like, how come there's all these different denominations? How come there's this group? And why are there so many churches in this town? And why is that? But that's just the way the church has gone and grown. And there's been great churches and great ministries that have flourished hundreds of years ago that we've never heard of. And then they've gone down. And just like tree branches have spread all over the place. Even Cornerstone. It's been here, I think, for 27, 28 years was started by a group of people from Louisiana who came up here from the south to kind of reach, I think, people from maybe the Caterpillar that had been transplanted up here by uh, Louisiana Baptists, I believe. And then they started Downtown Sandwich, and eventually, eventually they bought the property out here. This church has been added onto as a building two or three times. And as time has gone by, this church has always been an independent church. It was an independent Baptist church. For many years, but now, as things have progressed, as the tree branches have grown, we would say we are a non-denominational, Bible-believing church. Not that we have anything wrong or have any problem with denominations. There's nothing wrong with that. They're all part of this big tree branches. And what's beautiful about Cornerstone now is there's numerous people here where you've come from different denominations, different groups, from different branches of the tree. And we are a little church in Sandwich, Illinois, surrounded by cornfields. But we are a part of this big, massive tree called the church. And we may be a little twig on that branch. That branch and that twig are very important. Through the years... Church of Jesus Christ, the universal church and local churches, have taken some hits. Even among church members, we know this. Even among people who've been in ministry, know this. I was very recently asked by someone who had been in full-time ministry, had been in a church. So they asked me, so how long have you been in misery? I mean, ministry church has taken some hits. Unfortunately, that's how it has gone. But the tree continues to grow. Branches are are all over the place. And it will be that way. But it shouldn't, unfortunately, it's not a surprise. When we hear of churches taking hits and people feeling that way about the church. Church attendance has been in decline in America for many years. About two-thirds of the builder generation, people born from before 1946, two-thirds of them, if you were born from 1946, that generation would say that they are Christians. The builders, people born before 1946. But only 15% Of millennials, people born from 1980 to 2000, would say they are Christians. The millennials are the largest generation in America's history, with over 80 million people. And only 15% of that generation would say they are followers of Jesus Christ. And in the middle between that, between the builders and the millennials... The Busters, or whatever you want to call them, Generation X, there's all kinds of them who say, I love Jesus, I just don't need the church. And statistically, many of them, 30, 40, 50, 60, they're walking away from the church saying, you know what, I like Jesus, I love Jesus, I just don't need the church. Which at best is confusing. When I hear people say that, it's faith crippling at its worst. And it's completely contrary to scripture and biblical Christianity. You will find nowhere where you can say, I love Jesus. I just don't need the church. And call yourself or be seen as a biblical Christian in scripture. 1 John is very clear about that. Why is it that way? Why is American church that way, and even Western civilization that way? I think the first reason is there's been church schisms. This great tree that has been growing, have had branches break, things fall, leaves die, and church schism has hurt that. Whole generations And I think part of that schism comes from the mentality of what's in it for me mentality. What's in it for me in church? I'm going to be a consumer of it. I think worship wars have hurt hurt the church and that mentality in the West. And I think that we want to be big for big sake mentality has hurt the church. And it's taken its toll on the Western church. So we could say that's one reason, just the schisms in the church. Another reason we could say is because of just secular culture. We can blame the culture. I you look at the way the world has changed, and it's changed very rapidly, hasn't it? When Europe was the center of Christianity, there seemed to be, if it was a balloon, if you'd have blown up that Christianity, it was, it was huge. The gospel was spreading all around the world through Europe. And then the balloon started to fade, and air started to come out, but it came out a little bit slow. So it's kind of like a balloon just kind of Fading, And then the, the church in Europe was for many decades almost non-existent. There has been a little resurgence again for the gospel in Europe. But the church in America and the West, it seems like, as far as culture is concerned, it has just popped. I mean, it's popped quickly. Who would have thought even 3 years ago how quickly culture has changed and things and the, and the ideas that we stand for as a church and what the Bible stands for would be considered in our culture the way they are considered that we are we are so far outside the mainstream if you hold to any scripture It's just the balloon has popped in America just that quickly For a while in America and for many years we held this platform christianity did and the church did and there was a there was a respect that the culture had for the church if you look back at even some of the presidents i'm reading right now the the life story of harry s truman and i don't think he was a follower of jesus christ in the biblical sense but he knew tons of scripture he's a church-going man he had just passages of scripture memorized and there was a respect and a platform for the church That's gone now. There is even a privilege that I think in some ways is gone. So here's the response that some people are feeling. If it's not church schisms, now this culture thing is just blown up and there's like, I don't know what to do. And so people are responding, some by just peeling away. Some are just in sheer panic. What's going to happen to the church? Is the church going to exist? Are we going to be able to survive this? What is our response? To be What's our response to be? I would say this. The church matters. The church of Jesus Christ matters. And in all the church schisms that have gone on in this great, powerful, mighty, awesome tree of the church. In all the culture shifts that have taken place recently. And they have many of our heads just spinning. Trying to figure out how to operate in this culture as a church, I believe Ephesians 3 tells us that we have reason for hope. And hope for this big picture. Hope for your personal picture of your life in the church. And hope for the church universally around the world and the power of the gospel. And as we understand and embrace who we are in Jesus Christ as the church, we're the body of Christ. We are the bride of of Christ. There is great hope for us. So if you're asking yourself, what am I doing here? Is this worth it? Should I persevere? Is the church of Jesus Christ going to last? How will I stand against all the things cultures is bringing me, in, in, in culturally and in my own life, is the church worth it? The answer is absolutely yes, based off of Ephesians chapter 3. Let's read it. Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1, the whole through 13. Paul says this. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight. which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the church. Lord, we thank you for this church. So, God, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd help us right now as we begin kind of a new busy season of the fall. Did you help us reflect our minds on the church and what we have to the power of Jesus Christ? Lord, pray that you remove every distraction and be with those who this morning are struggling emotionally or physically or mentally. God, just give them the grace that they need to be strengthened by your power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Someone has said this, the church matters because church names the people of God who make known God's love for the world in Jesus Christ through the work of of the Holy Spirit. The church is the gathered body of Christ. Church is not a building. It's people. You are the church. The church gathered this morning. The church, you didn't come to church. You gathered with the church. The Bible is very clear that church is people, and it's people in community. There's a universal church, but there's also a local church where People that are knowing Jesus have come together to gather. So it's people in community who gather to celebrate what Jesus Christ did for them and to help them grow together in Jesus Christ. That's the church, and it matters. The church is a gathered community who does this three ways. The church does this by being worshipers, wobblers, and by word... Indeed, the church is a gathered community of worshipers. That's what Paul's saying in this. He is just in awe of what the church is in this. Yesterday, they celebrated the the 50th anniversary of the March in Washington and just relived the the Martin Luther King Jr. And all these people refocused on it. When you read Ephesians 3, I was watching somebody who was 80-some years old who was there 50 years ago talk about being there, and the lessons that they've learned, and how things have changed. That's what Paul's doing in Ephesians 3. He is just in awe over this thing called the church and what has happened and how he gets to be a part of it. He is just worshiping. That's what the church is. It's a gathered group of worshipers. Look what he says in verse 8 and 9. Paul says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He hated the church. He wanted to destroy the church. He was trying to kill Christians. He he would beat them up. But yet, through God's unbelievable grace, on his way to kill Christians, Jesus stops him, calls him, and Paul becomes the guy who is able to explain the mystery of the church for all of us. Paul, it was never, never cease to be overwhelmed by the grace of the church. This is what he says to it. He he says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of grace. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He's blown away by this. He's blown away that God would send his son together, Jews and Gentiles together and combine these two groups of people together to make the church so that he could be glorified. If you are a believer and you're part of a church, that's a gift to you. We don't create what the church is. We've been given what the church is. We don't create the purpose of the church. We've been given the purpose of the church. Paul says it's the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's not that you can't find them. It's just that you can't find the end of them. I remember when I was a senior in high school, I was getting ready for graduation. We were getting, we about three of us, I think four of us, did our open house together at the Lake Holiday Lodge. And so we were all over there that Friday afternoon getting it ready. So all the moms were there, were decorating the place. And so they sent us on a, on a food run to Miller's in Salmanac. So I was getting over there in Miller's in Samanach so I decided to get a pop. And when I was in high school, pop was a treasure to me. So to get pop was was awesome. So I'm at the pop machine. I put my quarter in, and I push the button, and the pop comes out. And my friend, she's standing there. She does the exact same thing right after me, and another pop comes out. Well, I think that's cool. So I push it again, and another pop comes out. And I push it again, and another pop comes out. And I push it again, and another pop comes out. We left with bags of pop. We were so excited. We were just thrilled. We had found this unending treasure of pop. So we went back to Lake Holiday Lodge. We're like, I walked in. I'm said, i a senior in high school, a little naive sometimes. So I walked back in, and all the moms were there. Hey, look at all this pop we got for free. I put one quarter in, and we just kept pushing it. They're like, you stole that. So they had to go back, and we get it paid for. But to us, it was an unending treasure of soda and Coke and pop. That's what Paul says about the church and the grace of God on us. It's an unending treasure. If you are in the church, if you are part of Jesus Christ, it has an unending treasure. It's this unbelievable grace that God called you with hardened, dark hearts. He woke you up to his grace. You are a rebel against him. Yet he says in Romans 5 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He says, We have been saved from the just wrath of God. What we deserve. What we deserve is the wrath of God on us. We deserve it. We rebelled. We went against God. But in his grace, while we were still sinners, Christ saved us. And he says, I'm going to save you and I'm going to gather you. And this is not a new idea just because sin came into the world, is what Ephesians 3 says. This has always been the idea of God. Before the foundation of the world, before creation began, God had in his heart the church. This was his plan. This was his mystery that all of creation, all of humanity had been waiting for, it says. It's unbelievable that God knew you before he ever created the world. He knew that you would be a cornerstone church this day. And if you're a follower of Christ in his body, he called you to that. You didn't choose that. He called you to that. It was a gift that you received. It's his grace. It's unsearchable. so when you come to church, we need to never get over the grace of God. We don't always feel that way, do we? Which is why we need the church. That's why we need church. Because some of you feel it today. Some of you worship God all week and we're like, yes, Jesus, thank you for your grace. And some of us, we slogged through very, very hard days. So those of you who are with Jesus all week in his grace, you need to bring it to church. And the rest of us who need it, we need to get around you at church so we can all bring it when we gather on Sunday to worship. That's what the gathering part is for. So those who have brought it all week and are experiencing it and are just there this week, you can share it with somebody else to bring them up so they can make it through the week. And those of us or those of you who are, it was a hard week, you need to gather together with other saints to be worshipers again, to be reminded. It was God's grace alone that brings me to church. It's God's grace alone that got me into this body. This is a gift of God that He had in mind before creation began. It was a mystery. And then God took a person who tried to kill the church. That's the guy that God decided to reveal the mystery to the church with. That's the guy. It's a gift of grace. You say, "Well, the world's crazy, Paul. Things are out of control. I don't know if the world's. I don't know if the church is going to make it. Do you know what they're saying about us? Do you hear what the culture wants to do to the church?" Know this. What, someone said, "Whenever the kingdom of God, the kingdom of evil seems to have won a great victory, one only needs to wait and see the wisdom of God at work. God has an amazing way of turning evil intent." on its head, and using it for greater purposes. He did it in the life of Paul. He can do it in the life of this culture. He can change the millennial generation around just like that, but only God can do it. It's a gift of grace if you love Jesus today. It's a gift of grace if you woke up this morning still loving Jesus. It wasn't because you're such a strong spiritual person. It's because God's grace was poured out on you. He says, I loved you before you ever loved me. I died for you before you ever even knew me. You rebelled and I still called you. It's a gift of grace. The church matters because it's a gift of grace and it's a gift for us. So we are a community of worshipers. So when we gather together, it's to encourage each other because the church is a body. And so when you spread out, you're still Cornerstone Church. You're still the church. But we need to gather once a week at least to encourage each other in that, I was going to show a map of our new facilities. It was just going to be a map of northern Illinois. So wherever you live, wherever you work, you're part of the church there. That's our facilities to worship God. But we come together to gather. The church is a gathered community of worshipers. But then the church is a gathered community of wobblers. On July 23rd, the world changed, 1971. Hasbro came out with this thing called Weebles Wobbles. Remember those? Anybody have any Weebles Wobbles? I love Weebles Wobbles. Remember the commercial? Weebles Wobbles, but they don't? Exactly. You know, you had the circus Weeble Wobbles. You had the treehouse Weeble Wobbles. Whatever you did to them, they would Weeble, and they would wobble, but they would not fall down. That's the church. Paul's talking about... The mystery of God from the beginning of time to be a thing of grace that we have received from him. Not that we have earned, but we've received it by sheer grace to us. But then he says this mystery is made up of Gentiles and Jewish people together. God's people from the nation of Israel have always been, in a sense, wobblers, haven't they? God said, I, I love you unconditionally, follow me. They're like, yeah, we'll follow you. Get us out of Egypt. And then they got out of Egypt, you're going to kill us out here. And they started to wobble. God says, I still love you, follow me. We love you, you got us through the Red Sea. There's nothing to drink out here. And they started to wobble. All through the Bible, the people of God have been weebles and wobbles. But they have not fallen down. Because it's been the covenant grace of God that's kept them together. The same thing for us. You say, the church has hurt me. The church doesn't really seem to help me. I've been offended at church. I had this thing happen to me at church. I had this thing happen to me at church. And these are the people of God? Yes and yes. That's been the people of God from the beginning of the people of God. God chose the nation of Israel, people who weebled and wobbled, weebled and wobbled, until they didn't, and they still, and they don't, fall down, because it's being held up by Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel. And this is what he says. This is why this is so shocking. It says in verse 10, "...so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God..." might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Why is that such a big deal? So there's the church. Saints, yeah, that's great. Why does it display the manifold wisdom of God? Because the church is filled with people who wobble on a regular basis. And so Satan and his enemies and the, the principalities and powers, they're looking down at the church, and they're like, we're going to beat Jesus, we're going to beat God we're going to send his son to the cross we're going to beat him and it didn't work and now he's going to collect a bunch of weeble and wobbling people and that's going to build his kingdom we're going to beat him but they can't for thousands of years they have not been able to stop the church god's purposes have always been fulfilled they always will be fulfilled and they marvel at it principalities and powers are looking down at cornerstone church and I know that guy. I know what she did. How can that church still be in existence? Those people aren't that faithful. That pastor, are you kidding me? Yes and yes. We are wobblers. But we are sustained by the grace of God. And that is mind-blowing to the principalities and powers. And this is displaying the unbelievable wisdom of God. Of God, And so from our level, sometimes when we see the church, it's like a big cloth, a big blanket being woven together. From our perspective, we look at the bottom side and see all the problems, all the extra things dangling down. But above it, what God sees and what the principalities and powers are seeing, they're like, wow, that is beautiful. I wish I could stop it, but I can't stop it. It's absolutely beautiful. It's the wisdom of God being displayed to the world. But we, we wobble. So what are we supposed to do about that? Why, why, if we're wobbling, how can we stay in church? How can we be together if we're wobblers? Look what it says in Ephesians 4, 12 through 16. Paul says, this is the purpose of the church. God knows it's got people who, all of us who wobble at times. But it says, to equip the saints, the people of the church, for the work of ministry, For building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, weebling and wobbling, by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way with him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. God knows as individuals we will wobble. That's why he gave us the church, to help us lift each other up, and help us to grow in mature manhood so everybody is important. Everybody is absolutely needed in the church. We need each other. Mark Dever says this in his book, What's a Healthy Church? Except for the rarest of circumstances, a true Christian builds his life into the lives of other believers through the concrete fellowship of a local church. He knows he has not yet arrived. He wobbles. He's still fallen and needs the accountability and instruction of that lo- local body of people called the church, and they need him. As we gather to worship God and exercise love and good deeds toward one another, we demonstrate in real life, you might say, that, the, that God has reconciled us to himself and into one another. We demonstrate to the world that we have been changed. Not primarily because we memorize Bible verses, pray before meals, tie the portion of our income, and listen to Christian radio stations, but because we increasingly show a willingness to put up with, to forgive, and even to love a bunch of fellow sinners. We need each other because we're all wobblers. And when we come in sometimes wobbling, and other people are wobbling too, you say, well, that wobbler didn't communicate with me, so I'm done wobbling with them. That's not Christianity. That's not faith. That's not the church. We need each other for instruction. We need each other for correction. We need each other for encouragement. We need each other for church, for strength. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm getting it. Well, don't wait till someone comes up to you Be an initiator and go get it. I was running this week, uh, Thursday, with Brian Luca, and we were over at Silver Springs, and we're running through the the, uh, trails, and the rain had had come Thursday, and they have this little bridge. And so I'm starting to run, and I'm running good, and I hit the the board, and it was wet, and my foot started to slip. I was about ready to wipe out, but thankfully they had rails on it. So I reached out and I grabbed the rail and it supported me and it kept me up. That's how church is supposed to be. You say, I'm, I'm wobbling here. Nobody's coming to me. Don't wait. Reach out to somebody and say, hey, here's what's going on. I need some help. You may, I need some encouragement. You say, well, I, I've tried that. Well, try it again. Try it again. This is God's plan for us to grow in maturity. He, this is his plan for us. And when you wobble, Don't run away. Run to the church. This is God's plan for us for maturity. It's putting us with other Christians, other sinners like us. He says, I want you to grow together. My plan has always been follow Christ. You're in the bride of Christ. You're part of the body. You can't separate from that. If you try to separate from the body, you can't be with me because I'm married to the body. That's the gospel. So don't wait. And when you see somebody wobbling, Don't wait. Be an initiator to the best of your ability. And when you wobble, don't run away. God uses dark clouds in our lives to teach us great things. And when we run away when dark clouds come, that may be the moment or that may be the time that God is wanting to teach us something about himself, about his church, about his people. So don't run away when we wobble. We are a gathered community of worshipers and we're a gathered community... of of wobblers. But in that, together, we are also a gathered community for word and deed. Verse 11 says, This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. The mystery of the church was for God's purpose to be realized through the world that his kingdom would grow. And he says this, in whom we have boldness, access, and confidence. Why would he give us those things? Why is that so important that we have boldness, access, and confidence as a church? It's important because we're supposed to do something with this. We are called to go and spread his kingdom, to preach the gospel to the world, to see lives transformed by word and by deed. And when the church does it together... The world is transformed. By our practice, the world is transformed. When the world sees our gathering and our practices and sees our direction of worship, they are transformed by that. It's the manifold wisdom of God. Tuesday, we had the food pantry out here. Our food pantry has been growing, and God's been blessing it with workers and with people and just the prayer team. And we gathered together to remind ourselves Tuesday. Listen, the Bible says when you serve somebody, you're also serving me. That's the church. When the church is out here on Tuesday gathering to f- serve, that's the church. Yesterday, there was a group of us that went to a house a mile up here. It was a group from Cornerstone, a group from Emmanuel Baptist, a group from the Federated Church. And we began to roof a, woman, a lady's house that doesn't even come to our church. There was over 20 people. The Church of Jesus Christ came together to roof this lady's house. That was a beautiful thing. It wasn't glamorous. It was hard, sweaty work. It wasn't glamorous, but it was beautiful because it was the local gathering of the Church of Jesus Christ in this area, gathering together to serve by word and by deed. That's what we need. And it's a cornerstone. We have this unbelievable grace of God on us. Jesus called you to himself. He's pouring out his love to you constantly, unfailingly. There is unsearchable riches of God's grace is being dumped on you. You are not a trickle if you're a child of God. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have God in you. You have God's grace on your life. You're not a trickle. You are an absolute flood of available grace and mercy that God wants us to pass out. And So my question for Cornerstone and for us this morning is be a, challenge is be a pitcher. Don't see yourself as a little trickle. See yourself as an overflowing pitcher of God's grace. And as we keep going this year, who can you pour into? Who can you pour into in this local body? Who can you pass on that pitcher to help somebody else pour into somebody else. We have this unbelievable, unstopping flow of grace that God gives us, available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who are you pouring into? And really practically, if you're involved in a ministry of our church, if you were to die tomorrow, who have you thought of in this church to say, hey, that person's got some gifts and abilities that I need to train them Or I need to say, hey, would you be considering learning how to do this too so that we can have a continual flow of ministry? Who are you pouring into? Because we are a community of word and deed. I'm going to apologize for one more running story. But I was running this past week on my little loop and there was a guy with a trailer and a bunch of books in the back. Which got my attention right away. They were just sitting there as he's passing me in the middle of nowhere. And so I kept running and I was I was running. Some books flew off, you know, so I couldn't pass up a book. I had to make sure it was not a good book. So I I went, I stopped, I ran, I picked up the book, and it was a the book I picked up was a book of pictures from Greenwich, New York. All the you know, all the nice buildings and all the different stuff. It was just a picture book from of buildings in Greenwich, New York, and I just thought to myself, well, you're a long way from home. I'm out in the middle of Salmonock nowhere, surrounded by cornfields. There ain't no big buildings close. Sometimes you may feel like the church is a long way from home. You have this expectation of what the church should be for you, what the church should be you read the scriptures, and you try to combine the two, and you can't figure it out, and you get discouraged, and you get frustrated. and you say, It just doesn't seem right. It seems like the church is a long way from home. And in a sense, we are. But in another sense, this is God's plan. This has always been his plan. To take people who were wobblers from him, pour his grace on them, and make them worshipers. And in the midst of their wobbling, get together with other wobblers to strengthen them and encourage them so that it would display the manifold wisdom of God because the church of Jesus Christ will last, it will grow. And with all the craziness of our culture, I guarantee you that there is going to be an explosion of churches and believers in the deepest, darkest parts of sin in our culture. Because the church of Jesus Christ will make it in there. And there will be people redeemed who are doing the most vile things right now. Will be redeemed in the midst of a dark culture because the church will survive. And it is our gift to be a part of it. It's God's grace on us to be a part of us. And you may feel like it's that's the picture I see, but it's a long way from home. But it's not as far away as you think when we humble ourselves and strive together to love each other and accomplish what God has for us, the church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable. We had the fundraiser for Stephanie about two weeks ago, and I was outside with myself and Briar Wyborg and Aaron, and they wanted to serve, and their job was to flag in the people as they came to pick up their tickets. And so you know, they were trying to figure out how to flag the people in, and nobody was seeing them at first. So I said, you got to wave them in big, boys. Wave them in big. So they're over there waving them in big. They're, they're 9 and 10. And so they're up like this, waving their arms, trying to get people in. And I said, hey, after the people pick up their food, when they go around the carport, after you wave them in, wave to them goodbye. Big smile on your face, wave to them goodbye. And so they're over there waving people in, and they're waving people goodbye. And just out of the blue while they're doing this, it's just great joy. Richard Harriet came to pick up his... Food. and he drove in there, and they went around the corner, and Richard's going through the carport, and Briar and Aaron are going like this to Richard, and Richard waves his arms, and out of Briar Wyborg's mouth he says, I love the people at church. I love the people at church. A nine-year-old, just by a gentleman giving him a wave, what flew out of his heart was I love the people, church. That's what we're called to, Cornerstone. We, may, we are worshipers by God's grace. We are wobblers. But we are called to worship and wobble by word and deed and to love the church. So as we go, love the church, the universal church and this local body. Love it. Let's pursue God, love others, and serve the world. Let's continue to pray that we would see the Route 34 corridor transformed by the power of the gospel. It is God's gift to us. Dig in, be a part of it, and love the church. Let's pray. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. For some of you, you've been in church a long time. And maybe you were an eight, nine-year-old who would have said back then, I love the church. But as time has gone by, your love for the church has waned. And you're thinking about peeling away or backing away. I'm challenging you today, don't do it. Now is the time to dig into the church, to love it to ask God to give you the grace to love it again, to ask God to wake you up to your sin or to where you need to to change and be a part of it again. And those of you this morning who are saying, I I love Jesus, I want to encourage you to to challenge you to step up and be more of an initiator in that love for the church. Because we need Jesus. He's our hope and he's our rescuer. Don't give up on the church. Let's stand by your head and I'll pray. Maybe this morning you need to pray with somebody. The prayer team will be down here.
1: Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand and I want to be standing on your side holding your hand so let your kingdom This Is my plea, Father? I see that you are drawing a line in the sand, and I want to be standing on your side to hold in your hand. So let your kingdom come, let it live in. daughter sing. an anthem, oh hear the heavens ring, this is our song, a song to our King, let the worshipers rise, let the sons of the daughters sing.